Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. Today I'm talking with voiceover actor D.B. Cooper. Uh, you've probably heard D.B.'s voice at some point in your gaming life. Most recently, she voiced characters in the game Lake, and she's only one of two people who voice all of the characters and sounds in the strategy roguelike deck builder called Monster Train. I first heard DB's voice in Bioshock 2 as the voice of the PA system, and there have been many, many, many others. Currently, DB is on the voiceover team at ZeniMax Online Studios. As you know, ZeniMax Online makes the Elder Scrolls Online. Before we get going, make sure you check out the video of this chat with D.B. Cooper on the Level with Emily YouTube page. And of course, if you give us a subscribe on that YouTube page, that makes us very, very happy. All right, so on to the interview. And this is one of those times where the interview didn't really start. It just kind of happened. So we're sort of in the middle of getting to know each other. And while I often toss out that type of banter, it seems like uh, it would be of interest to you. So it stayed in. Uh, so DB is going to start mid-sentence, and she's telling the story of how she got into voice acting. And my story about that is about George Sanger, oh. the composer for, um, you know, Maniac Mansion and Double Trouble Ramp and all of these wonderful things. And and one just spectacular, I, I found out about him through The Seventh Guest. Okay. And uh, listen to that music. I mean, that was one of the first really immersive games that I'd ever been in to the point where I felt like I was had been in that house. Hmm. And so I wrote him a fan letter. Nice. And if you go to his website, it still says... We can't answer all email, you know, due to the volume of email. So this is the reason I'm telling you this is this is my five minute story of how I got into the biz. OK, and it has to yeah. do with George Singer. I wrote him an email and I just I sent it off knowing that I had uh, sent an, uh, a letter to a hero. And five minutes later, my inbox goes, you've got mail. This is back in the days of AOL. Okay? Yeah, you've got mail. And it was George Singer. Wow. So apparently he'd been at his computer when I sent my note. And he replied. Wow. And he said, hey, I'm working on some new stuff. And here's this little site where you can see our, um, you know, experimental music and take a look at this. And I'd love to see what you think about it. And so I was like, everybody, come here. Look, I got music from George Singer. And so we're around, here we are gathered around the laptop listening to <laughs> new music from George Singer. And five minutes later, my email goes, you've got mail. Wow. So... In the few minutes that it had taken us to receive his mail, go to the website and listen to music, he had taken a look at my email signature, which always includes my website. And he just did, you know, on a lark, clicked it and discovered that one of my special talents is barking. Fluent, <laughs> fluent dog barking. It's always front and center. So he writes back five minutes later and says, you can bark. Can you bark in key? <laughs> And you can because you're a musician. You're a music theater person. Yeah. And so I never had before, but boy, howdy, I wasn't going to say no to that. Right? And I said, yes, big old yes, of course. So barking and meowing, two and a half octaves. Incredible. Was my first was my first job in games for a little online game called GoPetsLive.com. <laughs> okay. And it was just the most wonderful thing. It was pure happenstance. So the first GDC I went to was in 2006. It was the last year that it was in San Jose. 
Hmm. And I met the most spectacular people there who are still my friends to this day. And just the network that occurs when you're meeting people, you meet somebody and you meet somebody and you just this vast network. And here's what I have learned in the world of, of games, that first and foremost, it pays to be present when you can at gatherings like the GDC. I mean, if you can afford it, you should go. Because just being there among your peers, there's nothing like it. Yeah. And another thing I've learned is that the higher up you go in this business, the nicer people are. Because frankly, unless it's a celebrity, nobody needs to work with an asshole more than once. Mm -hmm. And the best lesson of all is never be afraid to write a fan letter. Yes. I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the higher up you go, the nicer people are. And yeah, that's it's just the way the attrition in this works. It's like mm-hmm. everybody's wonderful. And everybody, you know, certainly for the most part, really loves what they're doing and really wants to be doing what they're doing. And you just don't find that in other, you don't find that in radio for crying out loud, know. you know, and it's oh like, Oh my gosh, radio, the personalities <laughs> in radio are just so fraught. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting place. It's so nice to talk to somebody else who's done radio so much, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, the last 15 years of my life. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, uh, I was, it was, Radio and I have had almost fist fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... I love yeah. it, though. I love being live. I so love that energy. And I so also I. love talking to people about music. So mm. I just... It's been almost a year ago now that I um, uh, resigned from my last position, which was mm-hmm. the morning show uh, host for the jazz station here in oh. Minneapolis. And I loved it because I love jazz and I love talking about jazz and I love teaching people about jazz Yeah, because, you know, it can be hard to understand or hard to like sometimes. Just somebody gives you a key, but if somebody gives you the key to the door and it's like, here's what they're thinking, you go, oh, yeah, scales fall from your eyes and suddenly there's a whole milieu that you never knew you enjoyed. Exactly. Yeah. It's perfect. I love that. And I miss that energy. Of, yeah. of live, you know, because you don't, you can't recreate that. If you're voice tracking your shift, you can't. Yeah. It's just not the same. So It isn't the same. Yeah, no. it's funny. Have you ever done live TV? No. I, so I've done live radio, okay? Nothing beats the stress of live TV, I gotta oh, tell God. you. Oh, God. Oh, I'm sure. I cannot O-M-G. even. M-G. <laughs> yeah. So we used to do one of the things that they do around here with the uh, public uh, TV station is they have an auction every year. And okay. uh, so it's alive and it's uh, it's live. And so you're reading cards about the items and things. And so what they would do is they would get the local celebrities and we would get out there and, 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 and read these things. And... Uh, that's rarefied stuff right there. Live TV. Because, <laughs> I mean, obviously, the clock is a big issue in radio. It's huge. But it's also huge in TV, and you can't look like you're panicking. Like, when I'm on the radio, I can panic all day and not sound like it. I mean, Absolutely. I might sound like it a little bit, but I'm not no, going to... you can be reaching for stuff, and it's like, oh, my God, okay, where are my papers? In the meantime, let me tell you what's happening, and this thing is going yeah. on over here, and it's... The, it's my, do, you have the radio, do you have the radio nightmare? 
I have it sometimes. And it's funny, I had it worse when I worked at Minnesota Public Radio and I had to cover the Garrison Keeler A Prairie Home Companion shift. Every time I screwed up the broadcast, I would like get threatened with my job. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, so I would have I nightmares about that. But then that I was before that. I got more substantial shifts and stuff. So I had it a couple of times when I did the morning show, just in terms, obviously, of like oversleeping it. Right. Mine is the it's and, and, and the other DJs I know have the same one. Yeah. And it's not like this anymore because everything's digital, right? But I'm yeah. I'm from the days of of you know LPs and 45s. That's when it, that's where I that's where I cut my teeth. Yeah. And so uh, my nightmare, which I don't want to say it's persistent like I have it every month, but if there's one that I have, it's either that one or the actor's nightmare. Okay. But the <laughs> but the DJ's nightmare yeah. is that you're running out. The song's almost over, and there's not a record in the studio. <laughs> Of course. There's oh, no stacks oh, yeah. anywhere. You haven't pulled your records. They're all down the hall and you're running out. Yeah. That's it's always <laughs> like that. Just silence. Just silence. It, it's gonna be actually yeah. I don't I don't think it ever gets to silence, but there's gonna be silence and you know. <laughs> Dead so air. What's the actor nightmare? The actor's nightmare is when is when you're on stage and you either you don't know your lines. Sure. Okay, and there's an audience there. You know they're there. Yeah. Okay, or you either don't know your lines, or for me, I don't know the choreography. Okay. <laughs> and I'm with a group, and I'm just kind of like, shuffle over here and shuffle over there. The thing that always kills me is when the audience yeah. starts to leave because it's so bad. That's happened in my dreams. You can hear them, you, can hear them, uh, you know, scuffing out. That's, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, but that's it is. hideous. There's even, do you know that there's a play called The Actor's Nightmare? I mean, it is literally no. about this thing. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. that's incredible. I love it. It's, it's, I think it's endemic. I think we, anyone who's sure. done live theater has had that. that I, I haven't met anybody, actually, who hasn't had that nightmare. I believe You're that. You're there. Yeah. You are. Guess what? I have absolutely nothing to say. And I have had that occur maybe twice, where I've got the first line in a play. Yeah. And the lights go up, and I'm like, got nothing. It did let happen me pour to me some once. Tea, let me light a cigarette. Let me yeah. do something. You know, I'll pretend I've got a cigarette somewhere. <laughs> let me get out my. Let me. I had. Oh my God! Remember what you were going to say? Okay. So yeah. we did a we did a play where I had the first line, and one of the my character smoked in this play. Okay, but we were doing this play in an old mill building, so my character did not smoke. You dig? Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But what she had was a beautiful cigarette case that went into a breast pocket of her. Yeah. Blazer, okay, yeah, or or in a in a in a side pocket, and I would get out my cigarette case and I would look at it, and then I would feel for a lighter, and not have one, okay, okay, and then so I'd have to close up my cigarettes and put them back in my pocket. Can I tell you how nervous that made people in the audience? <laughs> it killed them because <laughs> they thought you were going to smoke. No, because they all wanted a cigarette. Oh, <laughs> it got that close. <laughs> All the smokers were like, ah, yeah, exactly. I'm dying. <laughs> dying here. Yeah. Oh, God, that's amazing. So, you were going to tell me something. Oh, just that I, you know, as a trumpet player, there was one concert that I did. This, I was going to school, um, college in Boulder, Colorado, and this was with the Boulder Concert Band. So this was a gig outside of the college. This is, yeah. And I was filling in on trumpet, and they were doing this tune by Leonard Bernstein. I call oh, it tune. 
called Slava. And there's a, like, super exposed, very brief, but super exposed trumpet solo right off the bat in the beginning. And I'll put it in the audio version of this chat because okay. I'm keeping all this. Because it's epic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll put it in here just so you can hear how brief and important it is. <laughs> and I just completely forgot to play it. And so that was funny. <laughs> That's a laugh a minute right there, Emily. That was funny. I thought it was hilarious after the concert, and one of the other bandmates just was like, yeah, that was unprofessional. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> sorry, dude. I just, you know, but yeah, that's... I went up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just a measure of silence that everybody's oh, like, no. what? something's supposed to happen there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. Yeah. There's a but. teaspoon of something missing. Yeah, but that's still different. I could hide with the whole band for the rest of the piece. You know, I didn't have to stand up on stage with everyone looking the, at me. You and, weren't the soloist. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was just a little ditty. <laughs> Isn't oh, it amazing? It How is. do we survive? I swear to God. I don't know. You know? I, I don't I, know. I yeah. I mean, I miss playing because I don't mm. play hardly ever anymore. But I but there's so much stuff I don't miss about it. There's a lot of pressure whenever you're performing anything, whether it's radio or in theater or, you know, mm. sitting on first trumpet in a community band. Oh, my. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> yeah, there you are. But Well, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, honestly, you've been on my list for since before I met you. And when I met you, I wasn't in a position to interview anybody but composers. And then after it changed over, I just, I'm getting around to it now. So let's be yeah, grateful for that. There's a big list. I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful. And, uh, it's just such a pleasure because um, everyone who knows you, and that's a lot of people that I also know, some of them, mm-hmm. uh, everyone speaks so highly of you. And, oh, and that's just you. that's just wonderful. So... Um, pleasure to finally get to talk to you about the work that you do in the industry. And we kind of already started, but you know, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I but like we have it to when talk about happens. radio first because we man. Had to. Oh my God, radio. Yes, we had to talk so about radio. I love radio. radio. I love it. It's just so, such a blessing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I let's go ahead and just talk about super briefly what you do now. Okay. Um, if you don't mind explaining that, because this is cool, and I've it I've never cool. had the opportunity to to have uh, someone like you on level. So, let her rip. Awesome. Okay. So, um, well, I've been a casting director, uh, director, voice actor, freelance for twenty something years, um, and actually longer. But I mean, I've had my own studio since nineteen ninety nine here at Camp Cooper. So, yeah, I've been kind of cobbling things together since then. Um, and uh, I got the chance to come in from the cold. So ZeniMax Online uh, took a chance with me as a lifelong freelancer and um, brought me in to be part of the VO team. So I've been, I want to say, for the past few years uh, crafting resumes and cover letters and just kind of tossing them over the fence to various and and sundry game companies because one of the things you don't get in America is medical insurance that's worth a damn if you're working for yourself. So that was um, a draw. But the other thing that I miss is working among people because 
part of my experience is theater, which is chaos. And that's the greatest in the world when you've got a whole bunch of people and everyone's got a cohesive idea and you're the marshal and you're doing all these things and it's just the greatest. And I've been by myself really since like 2012, just kind of hacking, you know, playing playing the hits from, from here uh, in southern Maine. So the draw of being able to be in a collegial atmosphere was the greatest of the draws. You know, medical sure. insurance, it's nice. But working among people, that's that's the reason to do it. And so most of the time, uh, I would e- I would either get a, 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 a polite, let's let's talk. Mo- actually, most of the time you get a rejection when you when you apply for a job at a, at a, a game company. I do anyway. Um, and then occasionally I'd get people who were interested and we'd do an interview or two. Most of the time they were great. Sometimes they were catastrophic. Um, but, you know, you get past the what we call the sanity check interview where someone just, you know, I've seen your resume and I've read your cover letter. You're apparently literate. Um, let's see if you're nuts. Uh, so you get past that and then you talk to other people who are in the in the company. And so I've had some wonderful episodes of that. And this one with ZeniMax was spectacularly wonderful just <laughs> nice. was just was it and it was so quick and so delightful uh that i really felt like they wanted me on their team that's what it felt like felt like that right away mm-hmm. and you know there's nothing like that no so explain a little about the kind of work that you do then because it seems like someone like you and just given the types of games that come from ZeniMax Online, mm-hmm. that you would be really important because there's a lot of dialogue in a game. There's a lot like of dialogue. So they are so good it. at this. So, yeah. so first of all, let's start with the fact that they are already so good at handling this. Mm-hmm. Okay, they are just spectacular. They've got the best, wonderful writers. Oh my God! So they've got these wonderful writers, and then they've got this. The VO team was two people <laughs> until I got there, and they wow. were handling everything. I mean, there it's two women, and they are the most awesome. I know I sound like a sycophant, okay? And I am, <laughs> and I got to. I, I I'll apologize for sounding like one, but I absolutely mean it. They are amazing. They make it all happen. So there is just this mammoth amount of dialogue that has to go into this spectacularly rendered game, and they made it up. They came up through the ranks and through all of the QA and how does this work and the, um, you know, understanding all of the programming bits and all of this stuff, and they're just astonishing. Wow. It's just a thrill to be working with them. I am learning so much. And I've got to tell you, I've never... Okay, working on a title that's this gigantic makes... I've never been so nervous in my life, okay? I mean, and I've been... You and I know what it's like to be nervous about something. Okay? We do. Because, you know, or have you done improv? You know, we know what it's like to be nervous. Okay? But this is like... It's more than driving a truck. It's like driving a ship. It's like being... 
all of, and I'm not driving the thing. Somebody else is handling all of that. But every one of the elemental things that goes into this is part of this grand scheme that all has to fit together. And it does. It's a miracle. Hmm. Wow. And it's beautiful. So the things that I'm learning are about how the scripts are made. How do, the, how do you have this whole wonderful bunch of, bunch of writers... Yeah, putting all of these things together so that it is a cohesive story, and then you have all of these wonderful side quests and these brilliant characters yeah. that are vivid. These these jewel like characters that you just when you go through this world, these people they're people. Yeah, yeah. The thing that we're working on right now, um, which we're not allowed to say. By the way, we're not allowed to talk about <laughs> just so everybody isn't like, "What is it?" I like, know, we're just, I can't we tell just you. can't. But that's okay. No. In good time. Yeah, totally. Okay, in good time, because totally. what we've got is coming out this month, and that is um, this uh, wonderful story called "Ascending Tide," and it's coming out on uh, March 14th for PC, and it's coming out on March 29th uh, for the consoles. And so, this was the first part of the game that I played. Oh. When I when I joined the ranks, so you pl- you play the game. I mean, you just that a lot of the, the here's the best part about being in the game business is you just spend a lot of time playing the game if you're working for a good game company, okay, <laughs> who want you to play the darn game. Yes. So I'm playing through this wonderful game, and I'm telling you, some of my heroes are in this chapter that's coming out. Neat. This month, I was flattened. Cool. It's just the awesomest it is. It's just yeah. the greatest. And so playing and playing and playing and being able to see what the mechanics are like and uh, how all of the pieces fit together and the way things branch off and all of this kind of thing. Because I hadn't played this game before. Okay. I'm a console gamer. Yeah. So I'm, 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 RP, I'm RPG girl. Yes. Okay. And, and, my, <laughs> and my typical, um, the one I always buy is Final Fantasy. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, like with Final Fantasy fifteen, I got real completion and on a completionist on it. I probably went over two hundred hours, which <laughs> nice. is not unusual for me with a Final Fantasy game. I mean, I really do play them to death. Yeah. So the reason why I was, I don't want to say leery or reluctant, but one of the reasons why I didn't think that I was a good fit for an online game is because with like World of Warcraft and the other games where you have groups and squads and and clans and that kind of stuff, I don't. My life is so bizarre that I can't uh, I can't plan ahead like that, and I may not be there for your raid. You know, or if yeah. we're going to go do this trial, I mean, I may have a job myself with China, you know, or something like that. So, I mean, I can't guarantee my time. So I've never felt as though I'm really qualified to play an online game. And I'm telling you, man, you it's wonderful to play with a group. Mm-hmm. Nothing beats it. Yeah. Because we play, we play with the audio team. We'll try things out and play with the audio team. But this game is all, you can play it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you can just discover the world in there and i love that it's really wonderful yeah yeah there's there's so much to it i mean that's why it feels like you're steering a ship it's gigantic the things that that you know did i did i make sure my actors pronounced this correctly yeah that kind of thing and i'm i'm not even directing this time around i'm assisting oh interesting yeah because okay yeah, because it's got people who know how to direct this title who are at the helm. 
Okay. And I was acting as assistant. And um, so, what's the nuance there then? What? Uh, yeah, tell tell me more about that. Okay, so the director is the one who is specifically talking to the actor. However, I also have permission to talk to the actor. Okay. Or to pipe in and make either corrections in pronunciation, describe lore in case we've missed the point on something, or make a suggestion about how the line should read. But most okay. of the time what I'm doing is I'm sitting on book. Okay. 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 Somebody needs to do that because there's so much. It's just massive. Yeah. 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 I mean, with games that are this size, and I mean, I'm speculating because I, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but with, with, with massive games, you know, again, with my particular expertise, if you will, understanding how the music can work in a, in mm. a giant game like that and how many people that takes to put together mm. and then comparing that to all of the verbal audio, all of the dialogue and how there just literally must be just thousands and thousands and thousands of lines and you know, even if you have, let's say, you know, 30 people voicing 90 different characters, you have to keep track of their different tone, right? And is this the tone of this character from this person? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it seems like just such a massive job. It is, actually. Yeah. 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 And, and you have to, there, there is a great deal of compassion that goes into this. Mm. Seriously. There is a great deal because we have to, uh, you have to know how things should sound, and then you need to get a grip on uh, what the other person is saying, so that when you have how you know how your actors are are being brought in to record, um, what is the general tone of things, like you said, and so you want it to be rich and wonderful. Working with great actors is just an absolute thrill. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It just is. It yeah, absolutely is. And so um, there is exciting stuff happening at cool. this. And I'm, I'm just, I couldn't be more thrilled, honestly. I'm learning so much about all of them, you know, uh, about the mechanical things that, that have to happen. Mechanical and, and, and specific little, I don't want to call it programming, but you've got to be able to do the back end of stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like looking inside a magnificent clock, you know. Yeah. Taking the taking the back off a watch and just going, wow, that's what it's like. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, let's zoom out for a minute um, because you know, I, I mean, just being in radio or having been in radio because I'm yeah. not currently, but um, having spent time there, like that's obviously one thing you can do if you have a nice voice that people like to listen to or that doesn't annoy people. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but then there are so many other ways to to use your voice, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, narration, like for, you know, video documentaries or audiobooks, right? There's commercials on TV. There's commercials on radio. There's medical procedural stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just such a huge, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's cartoons. There's, I mean, it's just incredible. So of all of those things, I mean, because you've done quite a wide spectrum of these as a voice actor, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I actually have done animation now uh, because I got to dub a mobile suit Gundam Hathaway. <laughs> 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 that was awesome, and I have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. that's great. That was wonderful. And I did it from here. That's the nice. Thing. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I mean, and that that's a whole other question I have, too. But yeah. um, but. You know, just what are some of the the things that you've gotten to do with your voice that you've really enjoyed and, um, you know, just outside of games? Because mm. I know that that's fun. Uh, but, you know, like, what are some of the other things that you've you've really enjoyed or, or want to do more of or whatnot? Well, the thing I think the thing that really kind of kept the uh, the coffers full in the uh, freelance years were as uh, narration for the most part. I do, I have had uh, like relationships with production companies where I've done ads for uh, car dealerships and things like this, uh, and that was great and fun. And every month you have a new thing, and I mean, there's nothing like return business, right? Yeah. So commercials are great. They are a completely you sorry that I shouldn't modify the word unique but it's a unique mindset because you do have this much time and you have to create a relationship with the listener in this much time in like 15 seconds or 30 seconds yeah Yeah. or whatever it is or whatever it is and and yeah so the strictures are really fantastic it's did you ever read a wrinkle in time Oh, yes. My okay. yes. Meg do you and all rem- them. Yes. Yep. Do you remember, I think it was Mrs. Who was talking to the boy about okay. the nature of a sonnet. I don't remember that. And he said, I don't understand it. She was talking about how you describe things and how there are strictures on the way. Sometimes there are rules about the way you do things. And she said, it's like a sonnet. And he goes, I don't understand. And she says, don't be stupid, boy. I remember her saying that. <sighs> a sonnet has a very distinct pattern Mm -hmm. that you have to use if you're going to call it a sonnet. But within that stricture, you may say anything you desire. Mm -hmm. And for, I feel like, I mean, I'm romantic about commercials, which can possibly be construed as idiotic, I suppose, but getting a point across, creating a relationship with a viewer or a listener in this amount of time is, you know, it's like running the hundred yard yard dash and winning. It's really nice. Yeah. 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 It's, you've got, you've got, it's hyper strict and I love, I, I love getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love the ads I've done, you know, the stuff that I've got on my website are like, these are my favorite things because I was able to really enjoy myself in a very short amount of time. But the things, <laughs> but the, uh, but the things that, that are, uh, are wonderful and ongoing are the narrations for a product or a service, or let's say, um, something that a country is doing for its citizens, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> little bits of history sometimes. I haven't done TV or movie documentary, uh, but I have done documentary style. Here's how this works. Mm-hmm. Or things that are called case studies. That's okay. the other thing I like, where you've got, we tried this, you know, we were going to do this advertising campaign, but we thought we'd do it like this, and here's how it worked out. That kind of stuff, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Mm. And the medical stuff. <laughs> You like doing the medical stuff? I do. I'm such a nerd. Let me tell me let me tell you about your olfactory epithelium, you know? I mean 
<laughs> I mean, that's such a huge part of being able to do that job is being able to pronounce those words, right? I mean, right. it's like classical radio. <laughs> sure. You need yeah. to know all those things. Yeah. 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 You know, interstitial, uh, you know, interstitial, interstitial microbiome and, uh, you know, talking about the value of dental prophylaxis. And, you know, so it's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Here's where... One of the questions that you sent me is is uh, is is this, and it was what what would you recommend for people who want uh, you know if you want to learn about improving as a voice actor and yeah. now that things are opening up again, take improv. Oh really? Oh yeah. Did you ever take improv as a radio guy? I I no I did it in high school you know yeah but I okay. never uh-uh. so I I took it in college I had a great teacher my teacher was so wonderful oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Marota, and I've never forgotten his his mantra. He would sit in the back of the class, and we would get a you know, where are you? Who are you? And what are you doing? Go! And he would shout, "Don't think! <laughs> <laughs> Don't think!" So, so I I also went to Boston to take improv from Ron Brown, who is brilliant, by the way. Okay. Um, improv totally ups your game. And the other thing that really kicked me into high gear when I was doing uh, radio was You Don't Know Jack, the game. Oh, the game. Yeah. Listening huh. to those guys, narr- doing doing the uh, the lead-ins for the questions and stuff like that. I'm like, I yeah. can do that. Yeah. I'm, I want to work for Jelly Vision Man, you know. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was just, it was awesome. So, yeah, that really, that kicked me into high gear with my... Uh, uh, with my live radio stuff, um, hmm. the PD had to tell me to kind of tone it down a little bit. <laughs> You're being too funny, he said. <laughs> oh, I love that. You're being oh, too that's funny. Great. Yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry. Wow. Mm. wow. Yeah, but take improv. It, you know what? Um, it works for anybody. Interesting. Um, it really does. It. I. I recommend it for anyone doing any kind of acting of any. I mean, really any kind. Because it will te- it will test you and it will show you what you're capable of doing. Yeah. Wow. I just feel like thinking on my feet is such a weakness. I'm good. Uh, I love how I just insert myself into this situation. I, I uh, as you should actually. <laughs> this is about both of us. Because um, when when I'm on the radio. I still felt like I had some semblance of control, even being live, because I'm the one working the board. I'm the one making the mic go up and down and hitting play mm-hmm. on all the stuff. Like I'm still the master of that domain. Got it. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, that would, for me personally, be a big challenge. And I love to be funny and I love to be up mm-hmm. in front of people and I love to do all those things. But I think doing that would be really, like, yeah, it would be mind-blowing. Yeah, It is. And and the, the wonderful thing that you learn is that you don't have to be funny. Oh. Because it's not a performance. Right. It's an event. That's the thing that I love. And okay. it becomes a collegial thing. It's the I'm sure you've heard yes and, you know, yeah. as the as the as the notion, the kernel of of improv, it teaches you a lot about what you can do under duress. Right. It's not my job to be funny. It's my job to continue the scene. Hmm. And what that does for me uh as a as a person, I have to, so I need to, to communicate with lots of different people about lots of different things. And it could be agents and, and, and studio people and, and all of this kind of stuff. And let's say we have a snag. Okay, there it is. Now what? Okay. So let's think, what can we do to punt? 
Is it is it my job to panic? Nope. It's my job to, you know, kind of keep things on the on the even and uh, improv helps you do that. It's like, okay, this isn't the only path. Apparently this is going wrong. Okay. That building's burning down. Let's find another one. You know, <laughs> it's like that. You yeah. learn that and you learn you've got that in your stores. If you've got someone who's challenging you, and this is a this is a problem that I've got and I'm going to out myself for being a jerk. <laughs> My personality type is is uh it's not fight or flight, it's it's fight. Challenge okay. me. Okay? It it's it's just fight. That's it. It's it's yeah. it's challenge me and and I'm I mean if I had if I had spines on the back of my neck they would go point all the time because that's my reaction and yeah. I have tried I've been in therapy okay and it's like sorry I'm actually hardwired for that and you want to know something that I found out recently that is such a joy is that actually. This is a biological imperative that kept my clan safe back in the days when we were living in caves. Is that I'm it. the I'm the clan jerk, and I'll get out there and put up my dukes with the saber-toothed tiger who's trying to get your babies. You know, I'll go out there and put my body in the way so that you and and the kids can get away. And if I get my butt handed to me, too bad. But my reaction to fight actually has a biological imperative. Mm-hmm. So finding that out actually gave me a great deal of peace because I recognize it as a chemical cascade. So when someone gives me heat, I go, oh, there it is. I can respond, not react. Sure. And improv actually helps with that because you have to learn how to respond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah huh. it's response. Yeah, it's great. So... Um... This is kind of a weird question. I'm not sure I like it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I didn't write this oh down to you. I know. Okay. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm curious, like, how often are you actually improving then in any of these sessions? Has that has that ever happened? Or mm-hmm. yeah. So what's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah? Tell me. Tell me about so that. So creature sessions. So oh one yeah. Of the thing, one of the things you asked me was what's my favorite? What's my favorite? And and honestly, doing uh, doing creature sounds. I love that because I don't usually think of people making creature sounds. I think of a sound designer creating a creature mm-hmm. sound. Sure. Now, yeah. um, may I mention another podcast? Oh, please. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So there's a podcast called 20,000 Hertz, and it's all about sound. Love that. My friend Dallas Taylor does this wonderful podcast. And I heard him talking to the man who did the music uh, for Minecraft. And one of the things that that fellow who's also a sound designer was talking about how he wanted a bug to sound and i wrote to dallas and i said dude you want to talk about bugs i got them and i've got 200 other unique voices that i could not me personally but that this game created uh called uh monster train and so dallas and Twenty Thousand hertz did a podcast about the game of monster train and how one other actor and i created over probably 200 named almost 200 named characters but more than 200 unique sounds wow in this game (laughs) we just us two voice actors db cooper michael schwalbe that's it it almost became it's like it's a thing you know it's like there's two 
they do all of the things. So the last <laughs> time we did an update for this game, uh, and I had suggested to uh, Jordan Chin, the uh, sound designer and the spectacular composer, if you don't know his work, you absolutely have to check it out. He's I just do. a gem. Yes. Um, we swapped uh, genders on everything. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I said, just let me do the big guys and let Michael do the, the little guys. Because yeah. I was doing I was doing all the little tiny... Michael was doing... Michael is a wonderful actor. And he's got this great set of pipes. He okay. used to be a metal singer, Michael Schwalbe. Um, okay. So nice. he was able to do these really... <laughs> things that were just, you know, all of yeah. the wonderful, huge bad guys at the end. And I was doing all of the little... Little guys up here! Yeah! <laughs> I got all the little guys. So I was doing the morsels. Huzzah! And the imps. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hacha! And stuff like that. So, you know, and all of these other little wonderful things. But we also did vocalizations for items in the game. There are these things that oh. are magical elements that, that show up and go with all of this layers of sounds. And there's a lot of vocalizing in there. Even if you can't recognize it as human, It was, it's, it's just part of the uh, symphonic event for sure. this item. So what we do for that to make all of those uh, all of those creatures is art. It's art, character art. Oh, Here's seeing it and being inspired from the art. Mm-hmm. So yes. give me the art. Give me the name of the creature, even if it's just a work in progress, and tell me what it is you need from them. Okay. In this case, it was a spawn, a prep sound, because the prepping for an attack... We didn't have an attack sound because the attack was mechanical sound. It was it was a mechanical sound. So, but the prep like or or whatever, yeah, uh, that was the prep. Then being hit and dying. So everybody had at least four. Some of them had a spell cast sound. Others had some other interstitial sound that just occurred in the game. Okay, mm-hmm. so we you know, and you'd need several iterations of those. Uh, and so we'd just work on it and it was work. It was the best. It's like woodshedding something. Yeah. You know, you take it out in the woodshed and just work on it. That's where improv comes in. I have this idea. Let me try this. Oh, here's an underwater creature. Let's try this. Needs to sound like a bug. Let me get a comb, you know, and go (laughs) in front of my teeth. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just make it up. Does it work? Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Let's try it. Yeah. It's wonderful. But that is that is by far the most wildly creative and probably my favorite thing. And it is absolutely exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think exhausting mentally, but also vocally, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, you've certainly, I'm sure, been in sessions where you've had to say, listen, I need to stop right now or this ain't mm-hmm. happening anymore. So how do you take care of yourself in that way? Well, how do you take care of your pipes, you know? Well, you don't... Yeah, see, the things that... that with with Monster Train, we were able to to do an awful lot uh, without really wrecking without really wrecking the the the, the airway uh, because you learn how, frankly. And sure. So there are a few things that are very specific about where you make these sounds. I actually teach a, a class called Fight Club, which is about how to take bullets, howl in, ag- howl in agony, and die. And one of the things that you've got to be able to do is make it sound like uh, it's rough or dusty or agonized without it going down here. Because hmm. when people make the gravel down here, that's yeah. it's all over. 
Because yeah. that's not where you're supposed to do that. That sound that will not hurt you actually occurs in the place where your oral cavity starts to head down your throat. It's what um, <laughs> what Michael Schwalbe calls the loogie spot. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Such a guy. Um, but it is. It's that place where your soft palate really takes over, that where, you're, where it starts to go down your throat. Hmm. And if you whisper, you can feel where it is. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's where the dust is. If you need to sound dusty, is up up higher. It's up your, way up high. Yeah, but it's also where the gravel is, because the gravel is right back there. It's the same place. Interesting. So one of the wonderful things about this, and I learned this from from Patrick Fraley. There's two places. There's two things that I use all the time. That's in the back of my throat, and one of them is dust, and it sounds like this. Okay. And the other one, and it's in the same place, and it's gravel. And I call it gravel, and it's right there, but it's way up. It's way up. It's not down here. It's way up, and it's almost like it's shooting through your nose. Now, Patrick Fraley told me about um, Peter Falk. Patrick Fraley is the actor uh, that everybody knows. He was the bubble tape guy, and then he was uh, Krang and Baxter Stockman and Casey Jones and Vernon in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and about a thousand other wonderful characters that have populated your existence. Okay, But this is what he said about Peter Falk when he was doing Columbo. When you think about Columbo, you think about a guy who's got this deep voice. Little guy, deep voice. Yep. Listen to this. Here's my regular way of talking to you. Okay, I'm just going to talk to you in my normal kind of, I don't know, mezzo-alto voice. And it's like this, but if I add gravel to it, it sounds like it drops an octave. Yeah. I haven't done anything. All I've done is add a little gravel to it, and that's all I'm doing. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and isn't that interesting? Because it, it makes it sound like It makes it sound like, ah, you're way down in the basement. Then I'm really not. All I'm doing is I'm talking to you in my regular voice, and I'm only adding that little vocal style in the back of my throat. Wow. And you don't—that that will wear out after time. That will wear out after time. Yeah. Um, but if with the pro- if you understand, my dear trumpet friend, if you understand <laughs> your instrument, yeah, and you know where your support places are, so you need to know you're about your diaphragmatic support, and this cannon, this column of air that yeah. comes up from your diaphragm, how your diaphragm works, all this stuff. You need to make friends with your diaphragm, and you need to understand your vocal mecha- mechanism. You need to understand it. Right. And and find out where these pressure points are so you can place these sounds so that you don't wear yourself out. Look, talking for four hours is going to wear anybody out, whether you're doing an accent or a style or anything at all. It mm-hmm. is. But learning where those sounds are made so that if you need to sound like an orc, you know. Yeah. Come yeah. in and buy my stuff. Don't just stand there. Buy something. You know, you can do that. For a long time, if you're placing it correctly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and always have, you know, have your liquid. Have you, your water or your have, scotch. I have, I have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, honestly, I must confess, sometimes there's a whiskey. Sometimes I got a little, it just depends on what the what what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it depends on what it needs. Yeah. But knowing how it's done is the thing it, that allows you to do it for a long time where that wonderful mix of uh, sounds are made. So earlier you said something about, you know, recording at home and Mm -hmm. I record at home, but Mm -hmm. I'm not, I I don't have like a, you know, isolation booth. I just have some sound panels and Mm -hmm. some curtains that sometimes I pull, sometimes I don't, whatnot. Um, 
how, I mean, you know, 30 years ago you couldn't do it like that, but. Oh, no. We didn't have, we didn't have nonlinear editing. You know, now that you can afford, now that you can afford Pro Tools and you don't need a deck, you know. Yeah. You know, or Twisted Wave or, or Audacity or any of the other things that people use to mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. My for, uh, my foray into recording was Pro Tools. Back in the days of Pro Tools 6, they had a Pro Tools Free, I think they called it. I can't remember. They offered it, and it was a non-proprietary. It didn't require proprietary hardware. Hmm. And the reason why... The reason why I chose Pro Tools, which seriously for VO, I mean, really, it's like delivering milk in a Mack truck. It's like, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit overkill. It really is. But the fellow at WBZ Radio in Boston, who was the promo director, gave me a demonstration on how it worked. Mm-hmm. And he was putting together this wonderful promotion and it had all of these tracks and he was showing how the multi-track worked and... He showed me on two different occasions how Pro Tools worked, and that's why I use it to this day. It's because someone showed me twice. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's, that's what why... I started on was Pro Tools. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, one of the nice things about it is if I am doing something for a studio, I can do it according to whatever their specs are and just send them this. Here is the session. Yeah. Have it. Yeah. You know, I can either I can send tracks as well. I mean, but a lot of times if it's with a studio, they're just send me the session. Yeah. 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 So I love Pro Tools for the for shuffle mode. Because nobody else has shuffle mode. I'm like, can I we can't all, understand that. Just give me shuffle. Can we just have shuffle? Why <laughs> why isn't that a thing? Why, why isn't, isn't that automatic? That, they must they must have you know, trademarked it or something. I d I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. I don't I yeah. yeah. So I, I do I do love it. I've gotten used to it. It mm-hmm. and uh, Isotope are my, mm-hmm. you know, my one-two. Yeah. And uh, the thing that happens with people who are recording at home, so being being in theater and, and being, uh, you know, I used to be in rock and roll bands and that kind of stuff, you have a certain amount of tech that you accumulate in your career that yeah. you bring forward. And so I have a considerable amount of tech and awareness of acoustic situations plus i also understand uh wiring the the wiring and the switches miss i understand the wiring and what is required to get sound from a to b Mm -hmm. and and why things are the way they are and george sanger always says it's always the cables so i always keep that with me if something's wrong always check the cables first don't replace (laughs) equipment check the cables right so so i actually had that as a as a bonus when i started recording at home that put me ahead of the game because I knew how to do this stuff. And I also had that radio uh, experience, so I knew how to, how do you EQ a thing? And like you said, you know, your pack of stuff that here's, here are my settings. Yeah. Well, you need to understand what the elements are. So in a, in a recording environment, you have a number of things you need to consider. Number one, the voice. Where are you in the spectrum of voice? So then what microphone do you need in order to make that sound good for yourself and this is a sennheiser 416 which is literally a shotgun mic which is the thing you point you know down the football field so you can hear what they're saying in the huddle right but it became a go-to vo mic because it's just got this wonderful it's got a wonderful little inner immediate pickup it's it's gorgeous Mm -hmm. 
for certain voices. For certain okay. voices. It works yeah. really well. This mic likes my voice. So then I use a uh, solid state preamp. Mm-hmm. And that just goes straight into Pro Tools. Sometimes when I've got a real long form narration that, um, well, that I would do, um, is I've got an old fashioned, what is it? It's a, a Symmetrics, uh, a Symmetrics 528, not E. It is, it's solid state, but it's not all, it's not completely E, whatever the E means. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the pre E. Um, yeah. Boy, does that little preamp love the sound of my voice. It really does. And it has the best gait on the market. It does. Wow. It's beautiful. So that's a wonderful piece of outboard equipment, which I will will pull out. But, I mean, I've got a rack of stuff over here. I've got, you know, some DBX 286s, which everybody has practically because that's, I mean, honestly, it's the secret weapon. The DBX 286, everybody's got one, and if they if they aren't showing it, they've got one in a closet because I mean it's just it it works the end, and yeah. I've got uh, you know I've got some other stuff over here. I just I love my stuff, yeah. but frankly the stuff the cleanest sound that I get and the thing that really works for me is this mic through a solid state little Apogee Duet straight into the computer. The end. Yeah, and then if I need to if I am having any kind of ambient sound, I wouldn't wear this shirt if I were recording. Yeah. I usually just wear like a tank top so you don't hear anything. Yep. Oh man, there is a there is a story about Carol about Carol Channing. She was <laughs> brought in to do a commercial for a thing and she was, you know how flamboyantly gorgeous she was. Yes. So she shows up at this recording studio to do an ad or a promo for something she's in. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a taffeta blouse. <laughs> And it's like Carol, you know, every time you got it, you can't move because yeah. every time you move, it's like shh, shh, right. And yeah. she says, "Oh, I just I can't talk and not move." So she just took the blouse off and did the <laughs> did the ad in her bra because that's Carol. Jane. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I remember when the COVID lockdown happened. I was hosting the morning show at the jazz station, and suddenly mm. we uh, that jazz station was owned by or is owned by Minneapolis Public Schools. And so, when the shutdown happened, we all got kicked out of the building. And you know, radio you can do remote. You've been able to do radio remotes for decades, so that's sure. not that complicated. The technology yeah. is fairly simple. But all of a sudden, I'm doing the morning show out of my living room. You know, in this house that I don't own anymore, but uh, but yeah, it was it was a, a crazy lesson in learning no- things that I never cared about. Because first of all, when I'm doing an interview like this, it's not about me. I mute myself half the time. It's about <laughs> whoever my guest is. You know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter as much what's going on in the background here because I'm not usually the one talking very much. <laughs> so when that all changed, doing radio, and I learned sure. about like clicking my mouse, like. You know, stuff like that. And, Isn't that and, interesting? Sure. Yeah, the plane that's flying overhead right now, very Which loudly, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, it's... I, I'm hearing it this much. You're, you've apparently got a little bit of a limiter or gate on, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But awesome. it's it's amazing yeah. to, to just, like, figure out how to be as quiet as possible. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's that. There's not only as quiet as possible where you have chosen to have your um, recording environment, but you also... And I hate to say this, but some of the actors I've worked with in the last year or so, I mean, even before I started working for ZeniMax, uh, wouldn't be hardwired. They'd be doing Source Connect via Wi-Fi. And it's like, oh, please don't do that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you really need an Ethernet cable in there. So, I mean, that's yep. one of the things that I, like, automatically understood, but not everybody else does. Yeah. And so these are things that we've had to really push uphill. Uh, the thing that happened for me, and this sounds dreadful, but it's true, is that uh, I had almost more work than I could handle during the pandemic mm. because I was well-placed. I already had Source Connect. It was already set up. I'd already been using it. I already had a really good sounding booth. Yeah. Um, and I had a trusted sound, a reliable mm -hmm. sound and a reliable signal. And so, you know, those of us who had been doing it for a while, um, we were ready. Not, yeah. I mean, nobody was ready for a pandemic, but we were ready for what happened when everybody started shifting, doing things remotely. Um it's a it's a tool we should have. It's like, you know what? It's like knowing how to drive a stick shift. Life skill. You think I? You know, it's good to know. Yeah. You may not ever need to know it. Yeah. It's it's more like having being able to do a, a good and you know you can set something up in a closet if you're if if you know how. You know, yeah. if you have to, you can do that. And I have friends who've done things on the road, you know, in a hotel room, you know, in in what little closet area is under the quilt, you know, and yeah. with a flashlight and, and that kind of, I mean, we do st stupid stuff. But, you know, you can if you understand how things work and if you understand what the proximity effect does to your voice, because if you get too close, it cuts out all the high end and things like that. And so you have to, you have to know that. Yeah. You have to, you have to know some of that stuff. So uh, it's... Those things are not automatic. Right. Somebody has to teach you or you have to make a point to know them. And here's the deal with stuff like this is sometimes we simply don't know what we don't know. Right. And oh, yeah. You know, and it doesn't occur to us that there is something uh, that you need to do specifically with how close am I to this mic? And what is that going to do with the frequencies that, you know, blah, and do people understand what a cardioid pattern is and all that other stuff? Do you? It works. <laughs> I plug it in. It works. Yeah. Uh, so... With the tech, not everybody can do it, and they need help. Thank God there are people, you know, who can help with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's good to know how to do it yourself. And it's also good to have an ability to kind of do a sound check on yourself. We yes. get used to, we get used to the ambient. It's like, you know, it's like I hear, I hear this shirt. I'm, when I'm in this room <laughs> and I'm talking on a mic, I am hyper aware yeah. of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I am, uh. Because that's that's actually part of my job. Mm -hmm. That's my that's my responsibility is to be just to understand the things that might make the product that I am trying to create for you less than excellent. So I want to remove those things. But yeah. I'm not going to do it in my bra, not in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll just wear the proper clothes. Do you know the actor Fred Tattashore? Uh, uh I don't. You have heard him in 10,000 things. I tr okay. Trust me, he's been in your living room. All right. Just one of I the mean, greatest, you have, so. <laughs> one of the greatest character actors, just one of the greatest voices in the biz. Okay. And I learned about what to wear from him. He didn't teach it to me. He Pat Fraley let me uh, sit in on some sessions that he, or, you know, introduced me to some people and, and, and let me uh, sit in the studio with other actors um, so I could watch the way games were made. Nice. And, uh, yeah, he set that up. And so one of the things, uh, I met Fred at Sound Deluxe. No. Technicolor. 
in Burbank. This is ages ago. And I thought, why does Fred Tatashore look like a bum? Because he had this old T-shirt on, and he had some junky old sweatpants on. I'm like... <laughs> and then I realized, oh, these clothes don't make any noise at all. Yeah. Yeah, he was dressed for the he was dressed for the job, and so I actually when I would when I would, I lived in Oregon for a while and would do sessions in in Los Angeles and I would fly down so I would be dressed respectably, but I had uh, a little bag and my carry on bag is um, a t shirt and uh, like bike shorts. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, here it is. I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I I will come and do your your you know your game for you because these things don't make noise yeah Yeah. do you think that you know just the ability for people to have a home studio in terms of market saturation and all of those things i mean what's what's that been like more people feel like they can get into the game okay there are 10 million new things that are happening for vo people okay because of the nature of mass communication We've got much more media that needs to be made, okay? So we do have all of these people who want to be doing voices and doing all this kind of stuff. Has it had an impact on my career? I don't know. To tell you the truth, I haven't lost a job that I know of because somebody else has a home studio. Here's the deal. We went through a time, and I'm not sure we're fully out of it yet, where because it was inexpensive, it was good enough. Mm. And there was a raft of reprehensible crap on the radio for quite a while for people who were getting actors who could do stuff on the cheap. Awesome. Okay. And what happens when people don't listen to your advertising? They're going to buy your stuff. Yeah. In the end, I'm not going to buy your stuff. In fact, I don't like your stuff anymore. (laughs) There was a time I actually wrote to a car company saying, Look, you've got some 20-year-old hipster talking about your car, which is actually the car my father drove. I don't like your ads anymore, and I'm going to tell people not to buy your car <laughs> because it's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. It Everybody was trying a little something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got people, you know, you've heard of Fiverr, and people were doing, you know, fun, cheap stuff uh, on Craigslist and that kind of stuff. Look, there's a market mm-hmm. for that. Not everybody needs a $250 an hour voice. Not everybody needs that voice. Yeah. The people who do need that voice want yeah. that voice. And they're going to go get that voice. There's a market for it. There is. The thing that sometimes I hear about, you know, the robo voices that sound so great or where, how you can... You can say a certain number of, of, uh, of words. You can read a certain number of pages, and then they can type something in and have your voice say anything. Oh, it's going to take, you know, uh, uh, work away from, from voice actors. No, it isn't. And it's what you asked about when you sent me your list of questions. It's about being an actor. It's about being an yeah. actor. In the end, in the end, the reason why you hire Steve Blum... You know, the, the voice of Spike Spiegel and, and 10,000 other fantastic voices to do your cartoon is because you trust him. And he's yeah. worth it. So why are you spending all that money? Because you get it the first take. That's why. Yeah. Or 
you know, or you get something you didn't even dream was possible. It wasn't even in your sphere of thought. You get this wonderful thing. And that's what the actors bring to you. Mm-hmm. Well, improv, right? Yeah. Here, let me try this for you. I have yeah. this idea. Yeah. yeah. And and so that's why uh, the... Any, you know, anybody with a with a podcasting, the thing, anybody with a podcasting mic and a recording rig can make a show. Awesome. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely fantastic. It gives a chance for people to be heard who were otherwise absolutely unaware that there was an audience for their stuff. Even if it's 10 people in their town. The thing is, it's wonderful. The more there is, the more there can be. That's really what's happened is the, that this that this world of, of voiceover has exploded. And I think it's great. Yeah. You know, so we all had to suffer with bad ads every once in a while. So <laughs> you suffer with bad ads anyway. I mean, you always had that guy with the car dealership or the hot dog company, you know, in your town who wanted to do his own ads. Let yeah. me tell you about, let me tell you about my carpet company, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So what? That's what makes the hell oh my gosh, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it is there a dilute, you know, is is there a saturation? I don't know. Yeah. Is there? Is there work for everybody? I don't know. Is there work for me? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to say, well, I got mine. So I'm okay, but seriously, the people who give a rip are gonna are gonna look around for the right voice for their thing. Yeah, and so I think it's great. Honestly, people need to try stuff out. Do you look at Do you look at TikTok? I, I don't. It's so. Oh my god, my friends and I. So I have three friends who send me TikTok stuff all the time. I do not have it on my phone. <laughs> But yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I I see it on Facebook, and occasionally those okay. uh, Reddit will. I'm I'm a redditor. Okay, I've, nice. I've got I've, okay. Reddit is is my my jam. So I love a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's a cinematographer. <laughs> Everybody's a reporter, Emily. It's really democratic. It's it's made everyone part of the show. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's some really wonderful stuff. Is there an awful lot of drag? Of course there is. But there's always been. Yeah. Always. Bad bad writing, bad acting, you know, Mm -hmm. terrible videos, things that are terribly stupid and too long, bad theme songs for for podcasts that, you know, go on too long and blah and whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Let's enjoy it all. It's just the greatest. It is the greatest. And talking to you has been the greatest. That's been amazing. What is I, it over? Maybe. It doesn't have to be over. <laughs> I didn't even look. Honestly, I'm going to look right now at my list of questions. It's going to wash me out so hardcore to pull this up. But okay. I didn't even look at my questions for you. So I hate it when I say, um, because I'm I'm a radio personality. Yeah. I am a radio personality, and it is against the law. <laughs> <laughs> To yeah. say, uh, you know what? Oh my God! Every once in a while, there would be somebody. Usually, the morning show because the afternoon, the the you know after the morning show, you don't really get a lot of chatter. But <laughs> occasionally, you'd get uh, a guy in the morning show who, uh, whatever station you were listening to, who couldn't get through a sentence uh, without us uh, saying, "Oh, we used to call him the Wizard of Oz." <laughs> Ah, nice. Oh, I love so that. so bad. I that's know, a good, sorry. that's a good nickname. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't like saying, uh, so if there are us, mucho apologies from here. <laughs> it happens. It's just how people talk. That's it how is. it goes, you know. It is. It's verbal punctuation. It is. And it However, helps us it can to be think. it can be a crutch though. And that's one of the things that being on the radio helped me really kind of weed out. So one of the things, and this doesn't have anything to do with any of your questions, it just has to do with speaking, especially especially extemporaneously. Yeah. People use crutches like you know and um and er because they feel as though if they lose the vocalizations that someone's going to stop them from talking, that they're going to lose the talking stick. And so you get people who go and or um or any of this kind of stuff because they want to maintain their place on the floor. I understand that. But yeah. it also becomes a crutch like, you know, or um, any of those things. When I was when I was 12, I had a, you know, problem really? and I knew it. And I think that my parents might have said something about it. They were both English majors. Uh, but <laughs> Oh, God. Um, I recognized that I was saying it too much. And I'm just, I'm a little kid. Mm -hmm. Fifth or sixth grade. It must have been sixth grade. So I was in fifth or sixth grade. So it was 11 or 12. And I had an uh issue that I had to break. So here's what I did. I asked two of my friends to listen to me tell a shaggy dog story. You know, a shaggy dog story is one of those things. It's a joke. It's usually got a stupid pun at the end. But it's a big story that has all of these magnificent details and it's a big florid story okay so i had a shaggy dog story that i knew by heart i asked them please do this for me please sit and listen while i tell you this joke story and if i come to a place where i feel like i'm going to say you know i'm going to stop this is going to be hard for you to listen to because it's going to be terrible <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to do this story and I am not going to say, you know, and I've actually never had a problem with it ever since. Interesting. I think one of the things that helped me, and I do it all the time. I mean, I still do it all the time. And my questions are often long and drawn out and kind of a mess because I have to listen to myself and edit myself all the time. So I hear sure. this, I've heard this for years. But there are two things that, that helped me. One of the things that helped me when I was live is, because we don't do this very often, is to actually think about the words that are coming out of my mouth. What am I saying right now and what am I trying to say? And concentrating mm -hmm. on that rather than what's coming ahead. Mm -hmm. That was something that really kind of helped me with that. And then also the other thing that helped me with regards to being, well, there are, two, okay, two other things. <laughs> On my morning show, I would do two live interviews a day. So I would have people either call in or come in. And wow. we'd just do live interviews on the air for eight minutes. And that really helped me to make I sure I say, knew what the hell every I was going to say. <laughs> every, oh, my gosh. Every, yeah, Monday through Friday. I tried to have two guests on a day. Oh, my and gosh. That's yeah. heavy lifting. It, yeah. And I mean, without a producer, too. So that's me scheduling it all and balancing it, whatever. But that's that. But then also just editing myself, you know, mm. hearing myself stumble through these questions and sound like I didn't really know where the end was. And Ooh. I do still it's still a problem for me, as we can tell from this question in and of itself or this <laughs> statement. But the thing that I'm trying to tell you in 5000 yeah. words, yeah, or less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are some of the things that helped me. But I still do 
absolutely have verbal crutches like ums and uhs and buts mm. and ands and all of those things. One of the things I also learned from being on the radio is small silences are okay. Because if you actually listen to an air check, and the thing that ma- the thing that you did that morning that sounded that in your mind like you left ten seconds open where you didn't want to say um but you also didn't say anything is actually a microsecond. It just feels different because we are used to filling the world with sound. Yes, and that business of not having a verbal crutch takes concentration, and it also you also have to allow for the silence. That's okay. Yes. People don't care unless it really goes on, and then they'll wonder if you've had a stroke or something. But then, <laughs> but then you, you can pick it up. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've that I guess I practice all the time when I'm speaking. There is not a time where I'm not aware of how I'm speaking. I've had people say, "Wow, you're so well spoken," and it really sounds like you're uh, doing radio all the time. And I kind of am, I guess, mm. because. Most of what I have to do in any circumstance is communicate. I might as well be good at it. (laughs) Even if I'm talking to someone in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. I just am aware of clarity and, and precision for years. And so it just pays off. In the end, I'm aware of it and I'm able to do it. The thing that I hear... So this is me outing myself again, is when I'm speaking extemporaneously with someone like this is I hear my accent because when I'm doing a narration, I don't have an accent. But when I'm just talking about stuff, I can really, oh, boy, can I hear my accent? So I've got a Western accent. I was born in California, grew up in Hawaii. Um, oh, I didn't know and that. so I just have an I just have an idiolect that I've picked up over all the places I've lived. So I lived in southern Northern California, Southern California, Florida, Hawaii, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma. Um, South Carolina, all this kind of stuff. And so in those years, I've picked up just certain vocal mannerisms that are erased when I'm doing, when I'm doing a corporate narration, I'm very precise about where my placement is and how I pronounce things. But when I do, my precision is still pretty clear, but I hear, what I hear is my R. I've got a really hard R. You'll hear it when you edit this. Yeah. 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 Oh, I heard really. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been hearing I mean, your art. <laughs> I listen. That's I just yeah. I, <laughs> that's my job, says Emily. I listen to that stuff. I listen. Yeah. I hear it. No, I love that. And I mean, I yeah, yeah. I can. My Minnesota thing comes out left and right if I'm not careful. So yeah, mm-hmm. my and Midwestern too generally. But yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's more <sighs> yeah. placement than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. The O's. Yeah. The yeah, O. You, oh yeah. yeah. You bet the O. Yeah. <laughs> snow, oh, we so got a lot wonderful. of snow over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Snow. Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, I, I seriously could just keep talking to you. I just am really hungry. <laughs> I thought that was my stomach growling. Yeah, no. I was telling you it was planes overhead, but it was actually my it, stomach the whole time. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, Covered. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but seriously, though, I mean, this is been just an absolutely wonderful conversation and i mean what other things do you want to make sure you say before we go there is something wonderful about teaching other people about vo and you asked me about my teaching yeah and the thing that i love the most is the light bulb moment that is different for everybody and it has to do with engaging your frame of reference. And and that is not an easy thing to do. 
We look at words on paper and we think we need to read them nicely. And sometimes we do. But the thing that really makes people sit up and listen is your own engagement. And I learned this from my first VO teacher named Will LeBeau, who is a stage actor in Boston. <laughs> ACT, stellar, wonderful. I swear to God, I learned more things from him than I still do today. And it must have, I can't even remember how long ago it was. It was really long. Okay, so <laughs> my first VO teacher. And he talked about, you can tell when someone's connected. Most of the things that you hear on the radio, especially ads, okay, are a wall of sound. He said you can tell that they're speaking English and they have a nice voice and that's about it. And every once in a while, something goes and you listen and you almost lean forward. You're driving and suddenly you're doing this, okay? And it's because someone is speaking to you about something they care about. We have a treasure up here that is only ours. It's our life experience. It's our frame of reference. And it is waiting to serve you. <laughs> so it, my improv teacher, we had two books. We had Respect for Acting by Uta Hagen and Psycho-Cybernetics, which is about how to use your subconscious. Oh, wow. So Psycho-Cybernetics, there are a couple of um, wonderful... Uh, editions of it. I would get the newer one, I think, because the fellow has ch had some feedback and he changed out some of the ways he described things. Okay. Access to frame of reference is what makes all of the difference in the world because we are a storytelling race of creatures. It's one of the ways we stayed alive <laughs> and how we kept our clans together is because we tell stories. So we expect stories. I tell you a story from my engagement point. I'm telling it to you with my imagination and my experience. As I tell you, and you hear it, because I'm engaged, you're engaged. It goes into your ear, goes into your frame of reference, and engages your imagination and your life experience, and you share with me one of the reasons why radio is the best advertising medium bar none and i will fight anybody who disagrees with me it's like fight me change my mind i dare you radio oh. advertising is the best because what it does is it engages the individual and makes them care about your rug about your car about your cleaning service about whatever it is if yeah. it's done right if it is done right it is the most engaging because you're not passive you're active 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 that's one of the things i teach to actors they are amazed that they've been missing it i call it it's dramatic interpretation okay but the whole point of it is engaging your own imagination your own frame of reference because in the end that's why they hire me that's why they hire him. That's why they hire her. It's because they bring something to the table that they can't get anywhere else. And that's what it is. It's the frame of reference. I just had a session with a fellow who's doing national ads for a truck company. Okay. okay. And he wanted to, to try something uh, that is just for outdoor furniture. And he's been a student of mine for a while. We stopped for a while. 
uh, because of my job. And then he said, I need it. I need a lesson. So he brought this script to me. Uh, you know, he lives in Detroit and and uh, and brought this. We do everything's remote for, for the love of God. So what he has is this wonderful, very well written. Good ad copy is just magnificent stuff. It yeah. really is. God bless yeah. the writers. His reaction to this on the face of it was about what the ad was about, outdoor furniture, and he made a little list of things that he related to. And it was umbrellas and pillows and cushions and awnings and, and all of these beautiful things and the outdoors and, and what that was like. And it was absolutely flat. The thing that he gave me as an initial foray was a, mm-hmm. a pre-recorded, uh, you know, he, he recorded the ad, sent me the copy, I listened, and I, when we got together, I said, where are you? I don't hear you. Hmm. I hear your voice, but I don't know where you are. And so what we did was we created an event. Where are you? Do you have outdoor front? Do you have a deck? Yes. Okay, what do you have out there? Describe to me what it, what's your best day out there? I had him describe to me making lunch for his wife so that he and she could go outside, sit outside on their beautiful deck, under their beautiful umbrella in their beautiful backyard, and they've got this summer salad, and he's got Pellegrino, and she's got red wine. So I set up the whole romance of everything, and I said, now read me the ad. And I mean, it was just, (laughs) it was another world. It was so divine. That is the most satisfying thing I do in my freelance life. And I do a lot of wonderful stuff for wonderful clients. I really do. But man, nothing beats that. Yeah. Let's talk you through. How does this work for your mind? Mm -hmm. Not just your brain, but your mind and your heart. And those are the things that are not easy for people to do because we think that we're reading words on paper, but we're really not. Well, DB, where do people learn about you? (laughs) <laughs> you can find you can find me. Um, my website is dbcoopervo.com. So that we don't confuse you with the fugitive D.B. Cooper, right? Yeah. I'll never tell. <laughs> don't I look great for, for a guy who's so old? <laughs> <laughs> like 110 or whatever he'd be now, yeah, something like that, yeah. Hey, Do people, people give you shit about that a lot? I actually got the name from the state police of Massachusetts because I used to do Traffic reporting as my real name, D.B. Williams. Okay. D.B. Williams for BZ Traffic. And yeah. they got a kick out of that. D.B. Williams for BZ Traffic. They said, D.B. Williams? Is that like D.B. Cooper? And I finally went, yeah. Might as well be. You did sure. traffic? I would never went in the helicopter. I was okay. not a helicopter person. But okay. I, I was able to. We listened to all of the yep. state police scanners. Yeah. And, uh, and that kind of thing. And so many different members of the state police of Massachusetts from so many disparate barracks asked me, is that like D.B. Cooper? I finally said, yes. <laughs> and, and, and here, here's the deal, Emily. I yeah. am the only, I am the one and only D.B. Cooper because I am the only D.B. Cooper in the Screen Actors Guild. Oh. <laughs> nice. You can only have one of any given name in the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, okay, so there can right. only be one yeah. Each name has to be unique, which is why you have something like Michael J. Fox, because there was already a Michael Fox. Sure. It's the reason you have David Bowie, because there was already a David Jones from Monkeys, <laughs> right? Okay, so this yeah. the reason you have these things is there can only be one. I am the one and only D.B. Cooper. 
I love that. Well, that could not be more true. And... <laughs> Such a great conversation to have with you, DB, and we'll just have to do this again. I think so. I mean, just for the hell of it. Yeah. Sounds (laughs) good to me. (laughs) Really? God, it's so nice to talk with someone who's got a similar life experience. Yeah. Radio all day, man. Radio for life. (laughs) Thanks so much, DB. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about D.B. Cooper and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. And be sure to check out the video of our chat with D.B. on the Level with Emily YouTube page. Subscriptions always help, too. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Oh, I'll I'll say hi to everyone, but I'll say a special hi to D.B. Uh, What's going on, D.B.? Do you want to get together, have some strawberries, talk about siblings and and uh, hang out on the dock uh emily tell them what they can follow you can follow us on twitter and facebook at level with emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com made possible by adam selvage at tiki web services composer brad gentle manages our youtube channel level with emily reese is a production of june media inc